Hey everybody, welcome to the Unapologetic Christian Podcast. My name is Joseph. Today I had the pleasure of being co-hosted with by my wife Hannah. Uh, Hannah and I have been married for a little over 10 years now, and I'm just very fortunate and very blessed that she's able to help me do this episode today. Uh, Hannah, if you will, go ahead and give us a little testimony about yourself. Like Joseph said, we've spent the last and the best 10 years of Joseph's life together, married, <laughs> and um, it's been a wonderful ride, but for some reason have struggled I don't you know I have so much I could say God has been so good to me and I can truly say there's no sad stories to tell I mean I I've struggled because you know I feel like oftentimes as a Christian you think wow like you hear someone's testimony and you're like wow you know even here in yours you know I've lived I've lived yours for the past 10 years with you obviously but you know even here in your testimony I was like Mine, mine doesn't compete with that. But I had to think, you know what? Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Not, you know, we're not all going to have the kind of Damascus Road experience that you know Paul had. But that does not necessarily mean that that testimony is any is any better than say someone who hadn't been through some hard things like that. Because what's hard for me, or you know, you could be different from someone else. So I don't know why I had to come to that realization. Um, God is so good to me. He has been so good to me. He has shown me so much mercy and so much grace in my life. I grew up in church my whole life. I've been to Beulah Land. I mean, forever since literally the day I was born, I've been a member of Beulah Land. And, um, like I said, I, I was raised in church. Daddy was a preacher. My mama taught Sunday school. I knew God at a young age. I've I, I seen the evidence of God's goodness at a very young age. I've, I've seen miracles performed. I've seen healings take place. I witnessed God. I knew in part what he was capable of for other people. But for some reason, the older I got, the more I doubted my worthiness of that power, if that makes sense. Um, I doubted that I could experience those type of things for myself. Unfortunately, I allowed the devil. Now, I'm going to say that again. I allowed. It was me. I'm the problem. I, I allowed the devil to take over my mind and convince me that I wasn't worthy. I, I couldn't have that kind of forgiveness. I would never get to experience those kinds of things for me, for myself. So, like I said, the older I got as a teenager, I didn't even try. I wasn't one of those half in, half out type of people. I would go to church to make my daddy happy. I lived at home. And as long as you were sitting under Gary Anderson's table, you were going to go to church. Like, there was not a question. But I just went through the motions. I didn't, like, get in the pulpit and pretend. Obviously, if you know me, you know I can't carry a tune in Joseph's bucket. I just, I'm not a singer. Um, but I didn't, I didn't play. I, I knew enough and about God. I had a healthy fear of Him. I had a respect of Him. I knew what He was capable of, and I knew that I did not want to be on the wrath of that. And the Bible says to be cold or hot. If you're lukewarm, He'll spew you out. I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to experience that, you know, so I knew better and I just, I, I lived worldly. I didn't think that I could have a fun life. 
and feel the misery that I felt, you know, at church because I didn't think that I was going to ever be capable of living up to what I had seen. At a young age, I always felt like all eyes were on me, that I was under a magnifying glass. And I just never, ever felt that I could live up to that, to what people expected of me. And you know, as a teenager, I didn't even try. You know, I, I went to church, like I said, to please my dad. And um, unfortunately, around, uh, I believe, the age of like 18, uh, maybe 17, I experienced some things in the church world um, that kind of, I guess what you would call now church her. I experienced some church her. And that just fueled my flame more. I mean, why would I want to go to church with these people? You know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it was all Hannah. I mean, it was, it's a me. It literally was me. And now looking back, I can, I see that. But when you're in the midst of sin, you want anybody else to be at fault. Not you, of course. So I blamed people that I'm sure meant no harm. I don't know whether they did or not. That's between them and God. Anyway, I was church hurt. I moved out of my dad's house and I got a roommate. Well, then that's how I met Joseph, an atheist at the time who didn't even believe in God. And I knew there would be absolutely no pressure to live right with him. So he wouldn't have these unrealistic expectations. And I thought that I was set. I didn't think that I would ever have to deal with Christians again or uh, really God again. I thought that was, you know, I could just live my happy own life with my sin and have peace. Well, obviously, we all know that peace only comes from the Lord. So um, I just can't thank God enough for showing me mercy in 2013 when I got pregnant with Emerson. Uh, I don't know if any, many of you know, but I was not supposed to have children naturally. I, like, I, you know, Joseph and I were under the impression that I would have to take treatments or uh, maybe even adopt. We didn't know for certain whether I'd ever be able to carry a child. So after being married for two months, the fact that I got pregnant, I was like shocked. Joseph was shocked. I mean, it was a, it was a miracle. Emerson is a miracle. And so when I got pregnant, um, of course I stopped the, the drugs and stuff. I didn't, you know, I didn't drink, I didn't do anything. And at the time I was going to church at Beulah Land every other Sunday with my daddy, just once again, uh, to make my daddy happy. And, um, not that he forced me. He didn't, he wasn't mean to me. I mean, literally I've had the best parents my whole entire life. Uh, my mom and daddy has never, ever expected anything more of me than just my best, you know? So, and I'm, I'm very blessed. Like I said, there's no sad stories to tell. God has been so good to me in every avenue of my life. All of my problems have been because of me <laughs> and God's mercy and grace has seen me through. And so, like I said, I got pregnant. I was going to church every other Sunday, and I can't remember. I think it was early September, um, early September 2013. I was in a church service, and I, my heart started pounding, and I was like, we are not doing this. <laughs> I was There's no way I'm going back down this road. And, well, obviously, if you've, if you've ever felt that feeling, you know you physically feel like you're going to be sick. And not because I was pregnant, because that convicting power of God is so strong. 
So I went to the altar that morning, and my life has not been the same since. And I, two weeks later, I've witnessed my very first personal miracle. I never thought, you know, before that I was worthy enough to see God move. But when Joseph hit that altar, me knowing the things that he had said, me knowing he didn't believe in God, I've had conversations, sometimes arguments, <laughs> that God was real and you know, he had so much science to back up how, well, you know, it doesn't matter that's in the past, but what, watching him at that altar crying out, crying out to God, seeing that I prayed and that God had answered my prayer. He had heard me and answered my prayer for my husband's soul. That was the first out of many times since then that God has moved so miraculously for me. My whole world flipped upside down, and that's something only Jesus himself can do. So I knew, I knew that Joseph didn't believe, but I knew that God could save him. I knew that. I had so much faith it could happen. But when I tell you, I was still shocked. <laughs> I didn't. I think I still battled a little bit with unworthiness, you know, just why would he, why would he answer my prayer, you know? But I'm here to tell you that if you pray, believe in, honey, it's going to happen. It may not happen on your timeline, but it's going to happen. And time and time again, God has proved that to me in my walk with him. And I just, I can't thank God enough for just for loving me, for showing me mercy, for giving me grace. And, and for most of all, always doing what he knows is best, even when Hannah gets a little hard-headed and thinks that she knows what's best. So that's just in part some of my testimony. I could literally talk for days of God's goodness and how he's been so kind to me. He has uh, provided for me always, kept me safe, and just forgave me when I didn't deserve it. He sent his son for me, and I just can't thank him enough. God is good, and I can't wait to see what's next, what's next for my family. Okay, so today is we're going to be talking about Christian doubt. You know, this is something that, you know, is kind of a a strange topic that some people don't want to talk about in the Christian community. Um, and we'll go into a little more detail about it here in a minute. But I want to give you a, de- a couple of definitions. So what is doubt? Doubt is a feeling of uncertainty or a lack of conviction or feel uncertain about fear or be afraid. You know, at one point in time in our lives, every single one of us have had doubt about something. Whether it's, you know, we doubt that we're good enough to do something or we're, we doubt that we are not good enough to, you know, we didn't get good enough grades. You know, we didn't do a good enough job at our work. You know, whatever it may be, every single person who hears this podcast, including myself and Hannah, we have all had doubt at one point in life. Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm sure I can speak for Hannah with that one. You know, um, but, you know, I want to talk about a few things this today and I want to cover a couple of things that I found pretty interesting whenever I was doing this study. And I want to talk to you about a couple da- a couple of uh, myths about doubt. Um, so the first myth about doubt is that doubt is the opposite of faith and is actually unbelief. You know, we can all experience religious doubt you know very while still very much being a believer you know of jesus a believer of god 
you know, in our Christian walk, you know, we can come across situations where, you know, we don't intentionally have doubt, but we still have it. And through the scriptures, there are several examples of that. Um, the first example that I want to talk about is going to be James 2 and 23. It says, True was fulfilled, which, say, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Now, the reason that I wanted to read that scripture to you, because if you refer back to Genesis chapter 13 and verse 10, I'm not going to actually go back and read it. You can do that on your own if you would like to. But in Genesis 13 and verse, uh, verse 10, it talks about where Abraham lied about being married to Sarah to the Pharaoh. Abraham had doubt that if he had told the truth about Sarah being his wife, that the Pharaoh would have had him killed and they would have taken Sarah away, you know, to be with the Pharaoh. But God, who is rich in mercy, saved him from that situation. And then if you go on just a little further into the scripture, Abraham does the exact same thing to the king. Um, you know, but the Bible never considers Abraham being an unbeliever or ha anything like that. Um, when actually most of the time when people talk about faith, you know, yes, people refer to Hebrews, you know, as the, you know, the hall of faith. But when people talk about faith, a lot of people refer back to Abraham because he was such, he has so much faith in God. You know, when God told him to get up and go, you know, out of his homeland, he immediately got up and went when he took, you know, when he told Abraham, when God told Abraham that he was going to have to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham never second-guessed it. He immediately got up. They went up, you know, to the place. They built the altar. He had the knife in his hand getting ready to sacrifice his son that God promised him, you know, so many, so much time before. And right before, obviously, you know, the story of this, God told him, you know, don't, don't, lay, you know, don't lay a hand on him. And he provided a ram for the sacrifice. But the reason I said, like, verse 23, it says here that Abraham was called the friend of God. Even though he had doubt through several instances through his journey, you know, and that's just something that, you know, it's just amazing though. So if you ever, someone ever tells you that your doubt is, you know, you not being a believer, you can, you know, tell them, you know, that's not exactly true. Um, now, yes, doubt can lead to unbelief, but the two are separate and distinct concepts which should never be mistaken for one another. I have got to add something to that. Um, you know, you said that doubt is the opposite of faith. And I'm going to be honest with you, until you asked me if I was interested in studying this, I didn't realize that. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought that they were absolutely opposites. Because in my, my mind, just, you know, not really giving it a big thought, and just, just in everyday life, I, you know, I was thinking, well, if you doubt, how can you have faith? But I'm gonna, I want you all to look at this scripture in Mark chapter 9. I'm just going to read a few verses, but I'm just prefaced with, there was a man who had a child who had an evil spirit. He was, he was, the child was possessed and the, the disciples had tried to cast the spirit out previously and he, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And I'm going to start in verse 21 here and, and where Jesus is talking to the daddy of this little boy. This, well, I'm going to say little boy. I don't think that it's very clear. Um, and he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came into him? And he said, he, and he said, of a child. 
and oft times they have cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So the father knew Jesus had compassion. So in verse 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out, and with tears he said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. So, in this, in those few verses, faith and doubt is proved that they're not opposites. The man believed that God could do it. The, the, the man knew that God could. The man knew of God's compassion. He knew of his ability. But he just could have believed a little more. Right? I mean, it clearly yeah. states that. <laughs> you Absolutely. Know? He could have just believed more. This man had to use his existing faith to ask God. <laughs> he had to use his existing faith to ask God to give him more faith. And, you know, when I, when I was saying this, I was thinking, oh, my how many times have I had to use, like I said in my testimony previously, I had to use my little pea-sized amount of faith and ask God for more faith, just like this man did. And if that is not enough proof right there that doubt and faith can live side by side in a Christian's heart, I don't know. I don't know what is. Okay, so the next myth that I want to cover about doubt, um, and this is something, you know, a lot of people more than likely won't agree with me but after you know after you listen to this podcast today i want you to take the scriptures that we provided today and the words that we've said and you know and i really want you to just you know think about you know upon it you know take it back to god you know obviously like i said before anything that we say on here you know test the spirits of that's what the bible tells us to do is to take any word that you hear back to god and make sure it's true word of god um because you know even though these podcasts may, you know, it may only be, you know, 30 minutes, if that, maybe a little longer, who knows. Um, there's a lot more time that goes into these studies. Um, I, 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 can, I can assure you that. Um, but this, this next myth, and like I said, some people may not agree with it, but the second myth is that doubt shouldn't be admitted or discussed since it's basically a character flaw. Um, so I was whenever I was doing this study, you know, obviously I go and I like to, you know, look up, you know, studies that were published by, you know, um, different people, you know, because I like seeing polls and, you know, stuff like that. But a study that I located um, in the Journal for the Scientific Study of Religion by authors Christopher G. Uh, Christ, Christopher G. Ellison and Neil Krauss found that suppressing religious doubt did not lead to less doubt or greater belief. But actually, suppression of doubt was found to be more correlated with the development of religious doubt. So basically saying, you know, the if you don't talk about having the doubt that you're going through, it leads to more doubt. So, you know, you can start off with having just a little bit of doubt, but whenever you realize, you know, oh, I shouldn't have doubt because it's such a big bad thing that nobody should have, you're going to start questioning yourself even more because you had the original doubt in your life. Um, you know, and that's because people don't want to talk about it. You know, if you have doubt, you need to seek support from your church leaders. You know, people who, you know, you know can help you further along with this. And during this study, when they've done this, they actually noticed that people who received more spiritual support from other believers uh, more likely started seeking, you know, more help, and they actually had spiritual growth 
uh, when doubt arises. You know, they, they would go to their leaders, you know, say, hey, you know, I'm having this issue, you know, you know, I believe God can take care of this, but, you know, the flesh of me is doubting it. And, you know, once they started seeking help for that, you know, they realized, you know, that, you know, there's scriptures we can read. You know, there's nothing that, that we can ever go through in life that's not already covered in a Bible. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. The Bible tells us that, you know, if it's if it's happened to us now, it's happened to somebody in the past. There's nothing new under the sun. Um, and it's, you know, just finding the right person to talk to, whether it's, you know, your pastor, if you if you're able to talk to your pastor or preacher, you know, church elder, you know, someone who's been going to church, you know, you know, forty, fifty, sixty years, you know, someone who's been, you know, very strong in the faith and it hasn't swayed, you know, those people are there to help you. And the Bible even says that, you know, we can go to our church elders for that type of help. And to add to that, Joseph, when I was doing this study, I found that um if you if you don't if you don't reach I mean I think I always knew this but I think when I really broke it down and really really thought about it if you just let doubt just sit it's going to fester it's going to grow and then you know what it's going to do it's going to turn into unbelief which then it is that becomes a sin when doubt is met with mercy that's when our faith can expand like you said when we go when we can confide in someone when we can go to someone and say hey listen Joseph or who you know whomever you you have faith in and trust in that can help you in situations like this with no judgment when you can go and just pour your heart to these people that's when you're met with mercy the, the same mercy that God that still flows from God to us um when you're met with that mercy that's when that's how our faith can expand and then as our faith expands it's harder and harder for the devil to use doubt to fight us now does that mean preachers and teachers who've been doing this who's been in the you know ministry for 40 50 years does that mean they never have any issues with doubt absolutely not i i, I just don't i don't believe that i just don't believe that because there's always going to be something because we can crucify our flesh continually that's what we have to do as christians but there's always going to be something the devil can use against us but the more we fight against it, the harder it's going to be for the devil to fight us with it. And if you look in James 1, verses 2 through 8, it's, if, it's just the scripture tells us if you lack anything from God, you have to ask. That's all you have to do. But the biggest part of asking is believing. You, you can't just say, God, I really need help. I have a lot of doubt. Will you fix it? And have no belief? Absolutely not. You have to, just like this, just like this daddy... I talked about with the the last point he believed God could do it he knew he needed to add to his faith but he knew it was going to happen he believed it could so when we how could we possibly expect anything from God if we don't believe it could happen absolutely and you know one thing that I'll point out as well you know talking about you know we can we can say all the prayers we can say you know really big long drawn out fancy prayers but if there's no belief and there's no faith in those prayers, then, you know, there's there's nothing behind it because God honors your faithfulness to him. You know, God wants you, you know, and it's, you know, I actually enjoy, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited that we're doing this podcast tonight. And see, that's literally what I was just preaching about last night. You know, we have to have belief. We have to have that faith. 
Now, yeah, that doubt, you know, it can creep in, but as long as we recognize that doubt when it comes up, you know, and we work to resolving that, to getting rid of it, like you said, because if you allow it to stay there and you just allow it to fester, it's eventually gone, you know, it can lead to unbelief, which is not a good thing. You know, if we don't believe, then, you know, obviously we're we're not in good standing with God. Um, but, you know, it's just something that we we have to work on, you know. We have to make sure that anytime that doubt starts to arise, we address it immediately, whether we go talk to a church elder, you know, to, you know, whoever we need to, you know, we need to make sure we're going to the right people, though. It needs to be someone who has, you know, been in the faith for a while, you know, someone who, you know, knows knows the word of God. You know, if I just go down the street and, you know, pick someone at random, you know, you know talk to them, not really random, you know what I mean, though. But, like, if I go talk to someone who's only been in church, you know, for, you know, maybe a couple months, maybe a year or two, you know, maybe, you know, I'm not saying anything bad, but, you know, they may not have, you know, all the, you know, they've not been through all the trials and the struggles and all the different types of seasons, you know. They may not be able to help you with the word that you need to hear at your point in your life. So when you go to these people, make sure it's someone, you know, I guess the best way to put it is, you know, who is seasoned, someone who has been through this through this life for quite some time. That way they can guide you in the direct path, you know, the right path to go. Um, and you should never feel bad at all none. for having any kind of what would be considered a negative feeling or or doubt or anything like that because the, we know that we go through things to help others. So anybody that you could possibly think of, I know when Joseph was saying that you had a, at least one or two people that you truly would look up to come through your mind you there are people that we have that we go to i I know that i I know i'm sure joseph you have absolutely i'm sure you do and i know that i do and i have leaned on joseph a bunch i mean you know just just for some advice but that's why we go through things in this lifetime is to help someone else so it's never it's never a burden but it's when we focus on on our problems that's what overshadows our focus on god's faithfulness so instead of focusing on our problems, you have to you have to fix it. And if if that takes, you know, taking any amount of faith you have and saying, God, grow it, and then go lean on an elder, go lean on someone that's seasoned, like Joseph said, go lean on someone that you know who's seen some things. You know, it, it helps. That's that's the only thing to do that we can do to get through this life is to together to help each other out. All right, so to you know, start to start landing this plane. You know, final thoughts. You know, if we treat doubt as bad or sinful, people will more than likely try to hide it instead of seeking help. Doubt is to be expected by any religious person, and is something that should be embraced and addressed rather than shunned and ignored. Like I said, you know, we have to, you know. We need to address this as soon as it comes up because if we keep, you know, pushing it down and, you know, just never talking about it, it's it's eventually going to lead to unbelief. And you see that, you know, more and more in people, you know, people go through you know situations and, you know, they just they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to seek help, you know, and eventually you, you see people, you know, leave church and they just never come back when if they would have reached out and got the help they needed when it first started that could have been completely avoided um and that's something that you know that is very dear to me because I've, I've seen that firsthand like i've i've seen people go through situations and 
didn't handle it the correct way and now you know they don't go to church anymore you know they used to live on fire for god and now you know you see them posting all kinds of stuff that you know is is so far away from god and it is heartbreaking and that's why you know as as christians you know as brothers and sisters in christ we need to uplift each other and help each other through these situations instead of trying to make people feel bad for them because we're here to you know lift each other up not tear each other down yes and i feel like if anything these this little bit of scripture and just coming to this realization gave me comfort for some of the times that i have doubted if if you think about what all Jesus went through. You think about how he chose the disciples. He literally chose them. And I have said it. If you have ever been in one of my Sunday school classes, if you've ever sat under me while I taught, I am sure you have heard me say one time or another that God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So right. to us, these disciples, I mean, a bunch of fishermen, we had a tax collector, we had a doctor, you know, it was a, a motley crew, if if anything. I mean, just a bunch of what to, looks to us a bunch of random men. But these, these men walked with Jesus. They seen Jesus' miracles. And even more than that, they seen Jesus' crucifixion. They, they, they knew he was buried. And they seen him alive. They seen him rise again. So I'm just going to read two verses right here in Matthew 28. This, just so you know, this is after Jesus's crucifixion so Jesus had already died he was he'd already been buried and he'd already rose in verses 16 and 17 in chapter 28 of Matthew it says then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them in verse 17 it says and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted now guys if these men can go through what they went through beside Jesus and witness all the things that Jesus had done, all those miracles, all of the amazing healings, all the deliverance of evil spirits, and they, they're still doubting. And if you read on, in my opinion, Jesus right there could have said, you know what, I was about to commission y'all. I was about, because in the next few verses is what we call in the church the Great Commission. But instead of getting mad at them and saying they're not worthy, he didn't chastise them. Instead, he met them where they were, and he still gave them the Great Commission. The disciples weren't defined by that moment, that one moment of their doubt. Their faith was bigger than that momentary fear and their questions. And that leads me to my last point, my final point in John 20, in verses 24 through 29. It talks about Thomas. We all heard Downton Thomas, Downton Thomas. Thomas had knew Jesus, obviously. He knew what Jesus had done, but he doubted. He wanted, he wanted proof. He wanted to see the evidence with his own eyes. He made that special trip. He showed Thomas his hands, and he encouraged him. He didn't beat Thomas down. He didn't discourage Thomas. He encouraged him. He showed him his hands, and he never belittled him at all. And Jesus even said that last scripture, he leaves us with a beautiful promise. John 20 and verse 29, it says, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. 
Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. So all we have to do, even if it's a pea-sized amount of belief, we just have to hold on to it and ask God to give us more belief. And if you ever have any doubt and you need someone to talk to and and you find and you think you could find comfort in speaking to Joseph and I, I know for a fact Joseph would be more than willing to talk to you, so would I. You can look on the Facebook page. You can direct message the Facebook page. You can email us. It's on there get in touch with us any way that you can a lot of you probably a lot of you people probably know us personally direct messages call us text us see us at a ball field somewhere it just we'll talk to you at any time okay as always you know we like to end the podcast with a fun fact um today's fun fact is something that i didn't actually know know until about 45 seconds ago um and this is something that you know i did didn't really expect so, you know, a lot of people love the Hawaiian pizza. But did you know that the Hawaiian pizza was actually created in Ontario, Canada by a Greek immigrant named Sam Pompolos in 1962? Who would have thought? You know, I'd, Hawaiian pizza, you figured it come from Hawaii, but nope, it came from the cold place of Canada. Um, but like as always, we you know if we would love to keep having this conversation with you, um, you can reach out to us on the Facebook group. Um, you know we like to hear your points as well. Um, if you need somebody to talk to, like Hannah said, you're more than welcome to reach out to us. You, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Um, we'll put all the social links in the bottom in the show notes. We'll put our email address in the bottom as well. That way you can reach out to us at any time. You know, we'll do whatever we can to try to reply to you as quickly as possible. You know, we're, we're here to encourage one another. We're here to lift each other up, you know, and that's just, you know, that's what we're here to do. Um, but we greatly appreciate you listening to the podcast. Um, like I said, if you need us, please reach out to us. We would love to talk to you. Um, but until next time, stay safe, stay blessed, and I hope you have a great day.